The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hey there. Welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Um, I'm very excited about today's subject, and mostly because of um, past times when I have really messed it up and... uh, and I, I'll be interested to to hear from you if you have too. So when I we're talking about presentations today, and I love doing presentations now, and I always have loved public speaking. But when I first started doing presentations, I would put everything I wanted to say on my PowerPoint slides. Have you ever done that? Yeah, you know, you get it, you just like keep the font keeps going smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> the more points that you put on, and then I realized that um, I was doing that more for me than for my audience because I wanted to remember everything that I wanted to say, and so I put it all in my PowerPoint slides. And um, unfortunately, what happened would was um, generally my audience would fall asleep or their eyes would glaze over. Um, I don't know whether you've experienced this. It's called death by power. PowerPoint. So um, I'm so excited to talk today. I got better and I rely on visual and I I, uh, I will confess to winging it often. So I am very, very pleased to have our guest today coming to talk to us about um, using story and presentations. And he's got a, a really cool uh, framework that he's going to share with us. Uh, but before I do that, I wanted to thank my guest from last week, Lori Silverman. Oh my goodness, Lori and I had such a good conversation about storytelling. Um, We were talking about whether it's a technique or a core business competency. Uh, We discussed a lot about its future and how um, it relates to other business core competencies and how it's viewed in the world. Really stimulating conversation. I highly recommend you check it out on the Story Powered On Demand Library. But of course, you know I don't want you to do that now because we've got to stay here and hang out for this cool show we've got ahead. Um, but before we get on with powering up your presentations, I want to update you on what's happening at the Story Powered Institute. So this week on Thursday, November 5th at 4 p.m., EDT, Eastern Daylight Time. Yep, we did that terrible putting back the hour thing. Um, We'll be having a book club with Annette Simmons. So Annette will be chatting with us about her book, Whoever Tells the Best Story Wins. Um, Normally that's a kind of VIP event for story fans in the community, but it's opening up this time because it's our very first one. Love to have you there. If you want to join, if you want the backstage pass, you can email me, leanne, at verygoodstories.com, and I'll send you the backstage pass. Just this time, though. And then next week, we have another story coaching clinic. It will be with Nicole Bowdy, who's a writing coach. Nicole was a guest on the show a few weeks ago, and she was helping us, um, actually, I think it's a couple of months ago, and she was helping us talk about how do we share our stories in our blogs, and um, she's a really 
fantastic writing coach who used to be a journalist and and really knows her stuff in in writing about story and in writing stories. So um, Nicole will be helping us with writing our stories. Um, I think there's a quote, and I can't remember who said it, but something about, we think we know what a story is until we sit down to write it. And it's so true. So writing the story is different from telling it. And uh, and and um, Nicole is going to help us really kind of nail down what it is we want to write, how to do it concisely, and then also how to share it. So um, she's in the salon at the Story Powered Institute on Thursday, November 12th at 3 p.m. EDT. If you can't attend in person, you can still register for the recording. Uh, but the benefit of attending in person is you get to talk to Nicole yourself. Um, that's the same with the book club, by the way. You get to talk to the author directly. So it's pretty cool. That's our our, mo- our whole kind of model of, of work at SPI is to get some interaction and get you in front of these story people. So the Story Coaching Clinic is $20 if you're not a story fan, but it's free if you are. So um, you can sign up at www.storypowered.institute on the salon page. Now, don't forget, you can also join the community for free anytime um, or for a low cost. You can attend all the events uh, as a story fan. Anyway, there we go. Self-promotion over. Um, Love to have you in the community. It's growing. We have a number of great story people there. We have people who are wanting to learn about story. It's for entrepreneurs, leaders, community folks. Um, The site is kind of in its infancy and it's just starting to grow uh, in terms of resources and things like that. So come hang out with us at the beginning and you can inform us and help me kind of develop it into something that helps you grow your business. Anyway, so now we're going to go on to our show today. I'm delighted to be talking about story and how we use it in our presentations. And partly because of what I said in the intro, but also because of the fact that, honestly, I've sat through so many deadly presentations and it does not have to be this way. Um, Using story is one of the most fundamental ways that you can connect with an audience directly in your presentation. So um, I'm, I'm also really happy because I have a fellow Torontonian here today. doesn't happen very often, so uh, I'm very, very excited. So I'm going to tell you about our guest. Kevin Smith is a story architect. Uh, actually, he's the, the chief story architect for the storyarchitect.com. Kevin helps startups, small businesses, and social enterprises unleash their story to secure customers and investors by helping them understand what their core customer story is and then helping them get their story to market. His services include branding, messaging, marketing strategy, SEO, content and social media marketing, presentation and pitch design, web design, lead generation, sales coaching, and business development. Kevin's busy. And he really is because he's in his career, he's done sales, marketing, entrepreneurship, and politics, and he's done over 10,000 pitches. Kevin, welcome to Story Powered. Thank you for having me. So good to have you here. Now tell me, we had a little chat before um, we did this show, and I love your story because it's it's one um, that uh, shows the non-linear way that we establish our careers in the most fun way. So tell us your story. How did you get to where you are now and how did you fall in love with story? Sure. Well, I like to say it started when I was six years old, uh, when I was grounded for counterfeiting. <laughs> oh dear. So when, I was, when I was six, uh, I understood the concept of money. I knew what money was. Uh, I didn't know where it came from, you know, but I knew that it was valuable. I knew that you could take these pieces of paper and you could trade it for candy, uh, which is what I wanted at that time. And 
So I said, well, I'll just make my own. And I did. I took little pieces of paper. Uh, I drew little pictures of the queen. Uh, for, for your American listeners, we have the queen on our, on our money. Uh, I drew the numbers on it, made them the different colors that our, that our money is. And then I went to the candy store. And I went through the aisles. I got all the candy that I never wanted to get. Uh, went up to the counter with this gigantic armful of different bags of candy. And the, the guy who's running the shop was looking and just had this, this look on his face like, why are you <laughs> grabbing so much candy? And he, had the, he was like, how are you going to pay for that? And I started pulling out the money that I made and started making it rain. I started putting you know, little twos and fives that I had made on the counter. And this guy had the most stunned look on his face. And then he burst out laughing. Uh, <laughs> And I lived in a small town. <laughs> right. Yeah, in a small town, like, word travels fast. But my older sister had walked into the, the candy store at that time, and uh, she narked on me. So she told my parents that uh, <laughs> I had been using fake money to try and buy candy. And I think my parents at that point were like, oh, my God, what do we do? <laughs> he's either going to be really smart or he's going to be a master criminal. <laughs> so I got grounded awesome. for counterfeiting. Wow. Luckily, not arrested, though. Not arrested. Uh, but given that's a but small that's, town, I imagine they talk about that story for quite some time. Yeah, and it's one of those ones that kind of stuck with me. And I like, te- I like telling that story because it's, yeah, it's fun for people to listen to. I enjoy telling that story, and it, uh, it, it, it warms people up. And I'll explain why that's important uh, when we kind of go through this in a bit. Absolutely. Now tell us, after you were six, you didn't go into counterfeiting because you learned your lesson. So um, what, what kind of career path did you take? You've obviously done a lot of different stuff. Well, I, I initially wanted to be a fireman and then an accountant and then a lawyer and then an actor. Uh, I finally went to school for a bit for entrepreneurship and business. I, I wanted to start my own company at that point. Uh, there you know, there wasn't really the support that existed in today's environment for startups, so I did what most people did. I went and got a job. Uh, I did kind of telemarketing sales for a bit, which I didn't enjoy. Then I started doing IT work. I was doing help desk jobs and different IT work. And it was at that point, somebody that was a, a recruiter friend of mine said, well, Dell's going a little crazy for salespeople because it's Y2K and all of the computers in the world are going to fail and they they can't man the phones fast enough and at that point I said well you know I don't really I don't want to do sales I did that before I didn't really enjoy it yeah I want to do IT stuff and he said I know I know I'll 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 be able to find you another IT job in a couple months but you know this is something I can get you for now and I said okay I'll do this for a couple of months uh, until I find something I really want to do and I actually surprised myself when I when I got there uh, I started, you know, I started doing home sales, home computer sales, and I thoroughly loved it. There was something about the blend of technology and sales that just really mixed well with my personality. Nice. And then from there, that led into, I went from home sales into business sales, uh, very quickly learned about enterprise sales, and, and I went into that. Uh, did that for a number of years, and that was selling large-end servers and storage equipment uh, across 
all of our divisions I eventually was selling to our most strategic customers. And then I had an opportunity to go into marketing. Uh, it was a bit of an accidental shift, but it was something I tried, and I thoroughly fell in love with that. Uh, and so I was a brand manager for Servers for Canada for uh, a long time. And that job, I think, was very instrumental to what I do now. Uh, 80% of that job was presenting. You know, I had to get really good at building presentations, and I was okay at first. The, I, had to, I really had to, to build a, a skill set because I was going to conferences, and I was talking to customers, and uh, I was going to trade shows. I'd have 30 seconds to get somebody's attention at a trade show booth. We ran a lot of events, and I was the one, the person doing the presentation at the events. Our partners did events that I had to present at. I had to train our sales reps about our products, and so I was doing presenting there. And so it was mostly a, a presenting job. Uh, I spent a lot of time kind of gathering any presentation training I could get my hands on. Uh, I read through every book I could find. Uh, I took you know, whatever courses were offered by our company. Uh, I, lo- I looked and test- I looked for a bunch of things. And I tested a bunch of things. And eventually I built my own template to build presentations. And I started at version one. Uh, I'm now at version 16 of that presentation. <laughs> awesome. Template. I love that. So I kept rebuilding it. Every time I learned something new, I throw it into this. And out of that came a structure that I used to make, uh, to make very simple presentation designs. Uh, but that also helped me build the business that I have now. I actually found that I wasn't just improving my presentation skills. I was actually improving my communication skills. Nice. I realized I could use it for copywriting. I could use it for web copy if I needed to make a brochure. I was using the same format for email scripts for our sales reps. I was using the same format. Yeah, all of it was kind of coming together. And I was like, okay, this, this really works in this aspect. Uh, I'll test it with some uh, nonprofit clients I was working with, and it worked really well there. And so the, 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 the consulting business I have now is really built out of that initial groundwork. Nice. Now, how did how does story fit in? Because you're the story architect, and we'll get into kind of the details of, of how you fit story into presentations in a, in a bit with your formula. But I'm just wondering, how, how did you come across story? Where does it fit into that, uh, that career path? Well, it, it's interesting. Uh, so the, the, the short story of that, you know, I had said kind of the same experience that you did when I initially started the presentations I were doing. Uh, were very text-heavy, and I was reading what was on the screen, and I realized that what I was doing was PowerPoint karaoke. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I've I like coined that. the term for that. I don't, you know, I know that that's been used. I actually, I may have been the first person to say that. I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> but it really hit home for me because I was watching someone else do a presentation. This was a vendor who came in, and they were trying to present their services to us. They were a marketing agency, and they had this uh, event idea that they were pitching to us. And the idea itself was okay, but the person who was doing the pitching, he read off his slides entirely, and even to the point where we would ask him a question, and he'd go to the slide that had the answer, and he'd read the answer off. And to me... Oh, no. Like that 
pitch was so terrible. We oh. didn't pick them as the vendor. Yeah. And I looked at that and said, wow, if, I'm, you know, if I pitch like he does, you know, I would be terrible. And at that point, it was okay, and I was, but I said, I have to get better at doing this. And it, part of what I realized is, A, he's reading off the slides, but he's not really telling any stories. You know, he's not telling any real good examples of what worked. And I started to realize, you know, over time, as I did presentations and as I watched others do presentations and as I looked at material, that the, the key to, to it was telling good stories. Right. Nice. And it is sometimes, and uh, you know, sadly, it is, uh, as I said before, you know, sitting and being the person who's on the receiving end of those kinds of presentations is is the way into kind of going, there's got to be a better way. Because <laughs> it's true, like people do. Um, and I, I watch people um, when they present and I see the audience and, and literally they are kind of, you know, nodding their head and trying to stay awake or um, like just staring into space. Nowadays we have phones. So it's a really good indicator, you know, whoever's checking their phones and how often it's a, it's a darn good indicator of whether you have their attention. So I think that, you know, nowadays with like, we're all so busy, we're all so time challenged, we're all very highly aware of the value of our own time. I think that, um, you know, our patience with presentations has, has kind of shifted as well. We, we're not as patient with people who aren't presenting well, are we? No, and presenting has, been, has become a bit of a crutch, you know, especially PowerPoint. Yeah. If you go back to business 30 years ago, I don't think PowerPoint existed. Mm-hmm. And it was really time-consuming to make slides. And so even if you did have slides, you had one or two or three that were the most important ones that your key points would be on. But you would be talking to the person and you would be uh, having a conversation. And unfortunately what happens too often today is that we rely on PowerPoint. You know, it takes 10 seconds to create a slide. And so we put all, everything into the slide and then we read off the slide and what happens is that we're not having a conversation anymore. Right. And then, you know, I have also seen people who um, have spent a lot of time creating their presentations, chosen exactly the right words, exactly the right pictures, exactly the right um, order of the slides. And like, it's they're so proud. And I've been guilty of that, too, which is why I can laugh, because I've done it, too, where you've spent all that time creating the perfect presentation that you kind of forget that you're supposed to have that conversation and that you're supposed to like interact with the people. Um, so you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's, 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 and so, you know, that's the thing about story is it engages people immediately and it's just such a, a human endeavor that it, it takes us past that kind of PowerPoint paralysis or karaoke, as you put it. And I think we're hardwired for story. I, yeah. I like to say that uh, human beings are computers that are running really old software, you know, mm-hmm. software that's evolved over a couple hundred thousand years ago. Yeah. And you know, if you look at the environment we had then, we didn't have PowerPoint, we didn't have writing implements, we talked to each other. Yeah, and we had to relay information to each other in a way that we would remember it. And the way that we did that was through story. And it's still the way that we do it. You know, we are hardwired to listen to story, and we're hardwired to tell story. You know, yeah. So when I started, the, when we kind of started off, I told an interesting story, and I'll, and I'll bet you, you 
you really enjoyed listening to that. And yeah. that's because you, you, you actually, uh, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I think you get a little bit of a dopamine response you know, that rewards you for hearing a good story or telling a good story. Absolutely. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately for you, I now have you in my mind as Kevin the counterfeit um, <laughs> person. <Six year> but <laughs> No, but the thing is, is that we remember it. And that's the thing. After you've done a presentation, my goodness, you want people to walk out with something. That's kind of the point of it. So, well, listen, we're going to just take a, a quick break and then we're going to come back. And we're going to continue this conversation about why story is so important to your presentations. Um, don't forget to sign up for the next Story Coaching Clinic in the salon with N- Nicole Bowdy, writing coach. You can sign up at storypower.institute backslash salon. Um, so we're going to take a little break. Be right back talking about story and presentations again. And then Kevin is also going to tell us more about his uh, formula. So I always love to dig in into some really practical advice. So I'm excited about that. I'm Liam Pico and you're listening to Story Powered on the Voice America Business Channel. Back in a sec. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com. Or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hey there, welcome back. I'm Leanne Pico, and I am chatting today with Kevin Smith of the who is a chief story architect at thestoryarchitect.com. Kevin was telling us before the break about his um, really cool kind of career trajectory that has enabled him to um, visit all the different aspects of a business, really, in terms of um, sales and marketing and content development. And it's put him in a really good position to be able to get a good um, lens for engagement and how to uh, engage your customers but also potential investors and we've been talking about presentations and um, we were talking about the fact that uh, presentations are, are so poorly done sometimes and they don't need to be and they're pretty crucial because they're the thing you know you do a presentation in order for people to do something next and if they 
are so bored uh, or so unengaged by you in your presentation, then it's almost worth not doing it. So, um, you know, that's just me. I just think, you know, if you're going to do it, put on a show, do a good job. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how to do that and enable people in your audience to stay awake. (laughs) So, Kevin, we talked a bit about story and about how it really does help presentations and it helps us move past the PowerPoint karaoke, as you called it. Um, But also it it, um, is a way to kind of really influence the audience. So why is it so important and, and what are the main things we need to think about using story and presentations? So I think one of the misconceptions that we have is that if we're doing a presentation, uh, if we have the best facts, you know, we are going to win. You know, any presentation, the, the goal of any presentation is to get somebody to do something. And you know, I've gone into this a number of times when I first started thinking, you know, I have the best facts, like my customer's going to buy something or uh, this person's going to do this. And that's just wrong. Uh, we are we are very fact resistant. And you know, we talked about the career trajectory, but one of the things I did on the side uh, as an experiment, I ran for, uh, I ran for the Green Party of Canada. Uh, there, was, there was an opportunity to run for a parliament. Uh, I was pretty sure that I pro- wasn't going to win, but I wanted to, I wanted to make a statement. I wanted to run, so I did. And I think I became really aware of how fact-resistant people are. You know, you, you uh, have no idea in a, in a different context, but in a political context, we're very resistant to any facts that don't agree with our own point of view. And right. yes. I had read an article uh, even just a few weeks ago that was talking about kind of the reasons why we are resistant to facts. And part of it... You know, it has to do with our, uh, our our social standing in our own tribes. It, the you know, if you look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, the our need for our kind of social standing in our social group is incredibly important. Uh, there's a there's a book called Contagion or Contagious. I always get this wrong, but it talks about why things go viral and. One of the key insights that I pulled from that was this concept of social currency. You know, we're always trying to find ways of improving our status in our community. And part of that is how are we perceived by others? And so the need to be perceived by others as being part of our own tribe sometimes creates this uh, resistance to facts that don't agree with what the tribe believes. Yeah. And I saw this happen with, uh, with one of my family members during the last election that we had here. Uh, I didn't run in the last one, but uh, he was looking at, at voting one way for a particular candidate, and he made the mistake of telling his, his golf buddies. And his golf buddies were like, well, why would you do that? And this is, uh, they came up with all kinds of reasons why he shouldn't do it. And he felt pressured you know, not to kind of think the way he was thinking because his tribe didn't agree with that, even though he didn't necessarily agree with the facts. Right. Uh, And so this is, this is a real challenge. And if you're trying to uh, change somebody's point of view, if you're trying to persuade somebody, if you're trying to uh, create change, you need to be able to change a person's point of view or at least get your facts across. And when we have this natural barrier, uh, I like to call it reality resistance, 
it that that stands in the way of that. Yeah, and, and you know so, it is such a good point because we we saw it in our recent election here too, and and Facebook is is a key. I just wanted to say you know Facebook is such a key um, indicator of that because one we choose people to, we tend to choose people who share our point of view as friends on Facebook apparently, and then the other part of it is but however when it comes to the politics I I just saw how divisive it was and how you know people spoke in facts and. Half the time, I was like, how do you even know that's true? Like, somebody's told you that. or And so, you know, the other thing for me is facts are not real. They're interpretive, too. And so, like you say, when we're kind of in a battle of who's got the better facts or whatever, often, you know, we think we're presenting facts when, in fact, they're just still interpretations. And people can sense that. They know that. They know that we can, um, you know, take a number... You know, I got three, you know, my, my service was awarded uh, three out of five from my, by my customers. Well, I can say, wow, that's great. Like three out of five customers are really happy. Or I can say, oh, wow, like two out of five aren't happy. So I suck. So, right? Like it's kind of, it's really um, hard, like you say, to kind of, and, and again, that I can see why the term reality resistance is because I'm imposing my reality when I'm, when I'm saying stuff. Exactly. And, you know, I like to say 78% of all statistics are made up. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. And that's the thing about story. Like, story is an invitation. It's not an imposition. And here's the thing. When I I talk to people about why story is important, the first thing I actually say is, I'll say, do you have a cat? Yeah. And, Leanne, do you have a cat? I have two, yes. You have two cats. Have you ever tried to give your cat a pill? Oh, Yes. We we had this little cat that was uh, his little black cat. She had an anxiety issue uh, and all kinds of medical problems. And we we don't have to give this cat medication. And I have actual scars from trying to <gasps> physically get this cat to take medication. Of course, you take the cat to the vet. The vet's like, it's easy. You just go. There you go. But if you have a cat or you know someone who has a cat, look for the scratches uh, because yeah, those are people who true. try to give their their cat a pill. And this is yeah. what it's like when you're trying to sell or do a presentation and just tell people facts. Yeah, we, we are so resistant that we fight it. But if you want to get the cat to take the pill, what do you do? Well, you, you wrap the pill in a bit of turkey and you flow, throw it on the floor and they gobble it up. This is what story does. You know, story is a way of getting the fact across you know, with, in a way that is pleasant and that same article that I read was said that the best way to uh, get somebody to make change and get them to believe new facts is to make sure they have a positive experience first. Right. So, and this is this is where this whole idea of using story comes in. It's true, and you know, and also the other thing is is that the the fact that they've made a decision to accept your story and empathize or um, align with it, it's still their decision how they they move forward. So, um, you know, in some ways it's kind of like it makes it their idea, you know, like eating the turkey is their idea. They're not being force-fed it then. Exactly. And there's yeah, there's data nice. that shows that uh, story inc- not only improves the, the acceptance of the fact, it improves the retention of the fact. We tend to forget facts. Yeah. If I tell you that 5% of people 
will remember a fact that you tell them. Uh, you'll probably forget that. You know, if I tell you a story around that, uh, that retention actually can go up to 95%. Right. Nice. Nice. I like your facts. <laughs> and that's not a made-up statistic. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like you say, we're hardwired. So let's talk about your formula because the um, the thing that I like uh, about what you do is that um, you can we can talk all the time about presentations and, and how to do it, but often people go, okay, so I get it. PowerPoint's boring. I understand. I'm supposed to tell a story, but how do I do it? So I love the fact that you've got a, a formula that that enables people to do it most effectively. And I thought we could start. You've got a, a five-letter formula, which is called? Uh, paces. Paces. So once we've got paces, um, so what, why don't we start with the P and the A and see what that what, what the, the first couple are before the break. Sure. And I, and I like using acronyms because they help, A, they help me remember what it is, and I put it into this way because it's an easy format to remember. And in any talk where you're trying to persuade somebody, the first thing that you need to connect with uh, is the problem, and that's the first P. You know, somebody's going to sit and listen to you. They're, they're going to listen to you because they have a problem. You know, that's why the audience there. That, that's why the audience is there. That's why you were brought in to speak. Uh, if they don't know the problem, then you need to brand it, and that's a whole other uh, conversation. But starting off by identifying the problem, uh, if the person is ready to hear it, it connects with them. It primes them to listen to what you're going to talk about. If they truly have an issue, uh, they are going to be really interested in hearing what the next part of that is. And the next part of that is the answer. And that seems pretty simple. Somebody has a problem that they're trying to solve, and you are providing the answer. So those are the first two sections of this PACES format, is problem and answer. Now, here's an interesting thing. Sometimes, the, sometimes a customer doesn't know uh, what the problem is or isn't entirely sure of the problem. And that's where kind of branding the problem comes in, which we'll, we'll talk about. But people have a certain buying process. You know, they need to be... Uh, people need to be aware of the fact that they have a problem in the first place. And so the other thing I'd like to kind of go into or I'll, I'll ask people is, have you ever bought a car? And most people have, you know, and I'll say, what was the last car you bought? Uh, for me, it was a Mazda. Have you ever, have you noticed ever since you bought the Mazda that there were more Mazdas on the road? And, you know, that's what happened to me. And most people say, well, yes, that's, a, that's what I experienced. Like, I bought this car, and all of a sudden I saw these cars. Uh, your brain became primed to see this car as the solution to the problem that you're having. So it is really important to connect with the audience right away and help them understand what the problem is and what answer you are going to provide. Nice. I like that. Because it's that piece around... Um you know, because again, I've seen some pres- presenters stay in the problem. And so it's kind of like a, a, a empathy overkill, you know? And it's like, yeah, I had that happen. That happened to me. It was really terrible, you know? And 
and and sometimes they don't get out of it. So I like the fact that you're talking about you need to supply the, you know, to bring the answer as well, um, because then they will follow. And like you said, that's that's where the influence is. Exactly. And you read your audience. You know, if, if the audience is at a point where the problem is really clear, you know, if you're going into uh, a sales presentation and they've laid out, you know, this is the business problem that we have, you don't have to spend a lot of time convincing them that they have a problem. You know, they know they have a problem. They probably know more about the problem than you do. <laughs> Thank you. you. That's right. You have the answer. Yes. But if your job is to go in and first show them that they have a problem, that's a very different presentation challenge. You have to actually go in and show them more detail about the problem and the impact of the problem and how it affects them before you go into your answer. Yeah, and like I said, you know, the thing about the problem is even if they know they have a problem, they want to know that you know something about the problem. So that's how story helps at the beginning as well is to kind of say, hey, I have some credibility right here. Um, by just knowing what your problem is. I mean, there's obviously we'll move on to more credibility in a second, but just being able to stand there and and tell a story that, that demonstrates your understanding of the problem brings them in. But like you say, I love that you've said that because sometimes, um, again, I've seen people present and they're very patronizing because it's like you have a problem and and I know what it is, and I know how to solve it, and, and that ain't the way forward either. That's why I like story as well, because it's kind of a, a gentler understanding of the audience and, and, and what they're facing, rather than kind of a, a hammer or even a, a kind of, um, you know, that patronizing kind of, I'm here to save you kind of stuff. And it's really interesting, like when you turn around and you say, well, here's an, uh, here's an example of a customer that had a similar problem to what you guys have. You know, it does, a, it does a number of things in the customer's mind. One, it tells them, yes, this person understands my problem. Two, it provides a bit of social proof that you have already experienced solving the problem for another customer. They're not the first ones. That's right. That's right. And also... Um you know, the other the other thing is is around. You know, it in, it also provides you a, something to kind of follow your follow along with as you go through your presentation because it gives you kind of that lead um, uh, idea. Because again, often people just you know they start with their history, they start with their, <laughs> and it's kind of like the the presentation goes nowhere. Whereas if you start with a kind of targeted problem and then provide the answer and you have stories that people can remember, the rest of the presentation is actually much easier. And I've used this format to you know, literally do a 30-second presentation you know, to a four-hour workshop with a customer. And right. because I've got the same format, I just extend or contract based on the scenario. Nice. Well, you know, we've got a little time. Why don't we move? We've got about a minute, but why don't we move into credibility? That's your next, that's the next um, letter. It's letter C, credibility. What's what's that all about? Okay. And you kind of hinted at that. You know, yeah. Once, once you've told somebody, this is the problem that you have, and I have the answer for it, the next logical question that's going to be on their mind is, well, how are you credible to provide this answer? And we've, we've demonstrated that a bit today. You know, when you introduced me, you went through uh, some of my background. You know, I've told some stories about my own background. And I do this in all of the pitches that I do. 
to make the other person feel comfortable that, yes, I do have some expertise in this area. And they're not the first person to uh, experience the solution that I'm going to put in place. There's, okay. a really, there's a really good book called Crossing the Chasm. And it's by, uh, it's by Gordon Moore, uh, who's a, a startup author. And the, the key thing that I pulled out from that is that there are different types of customers along this adoption curve. And it's designed for technology companies, but it applies to almost any service. And you know, you've got early adopters that will try anything. You know, they're explorers. They want to buy new things. You've got visionaries who can see a new product and say, this is something that I, you know, I can see the promise of it. But most buyers, especially companies, are in uh, what are called this practical mainstream market segment. And they won't buy anything until someone else has bought it first. They don't want to be right. the first one. Uh, they're risk averse, but they do need to solve a problem. And so they go for proven solutions and complete solutions and proven vendors. So by demonstrating credibility, you know, when I say I've done 10,000 pitches and I can back that up, that makes me sound a lot more credible than somebody who's never done that before. Yeah, it sure does. Okay, great. So we're going to continue this conversation after the break. Um, just to remind you all that you can uh, find Kevin at thestoryarchitect.com. Uh, Kevin's also working on a book and a Udemy course, and we're going to hear a bit about that in the, in the next section. So don't go away. We're going to continue talking about Kevin's formula for presenting with story, and um, you'll get to hear more about the acronym, and we'll do a quick summary so you can take it away and start using it. So we'll be back in a minute. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. 
Hey there, welcome back. I'm Leanne and I am chatting today with Kevin Smith, the story architect. We're having such a good conversation. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to go. I need to go and book myself a presentation so I can use uh, Kevin's formula. Makes so much sense. Um, Before the break, we were talking about um, the first two letters. So the formula is PACES. So that's your presentation formula. And Kevin said he's used it for many things. So 30 second presentation or three hour, you can use it in in, in various ways. So the first two letters were problem and answer. And I feel like we we talked a lot about that. But then we moved into credibility. And um, we were talking about how Kevin, when he's talking, he's able to say, I've done 10,000 pitches. And immediately that gives gives instant credibility. Um, And then, you know, we, we can talk now about how, how else do you use story, Kevin, to, to, to establish your credibility? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and credibility is so important to getting somebody to, to uh, believe what you're telling them. Yeah. If you're trying to get past that uh, fact resistance or reality resistance, you need to be a credible provider of information. And, you know, going back to the, the fact that we are fact resistance, just telling somebody facts about credibility isn't enough. You know, for me, just to say, you know, here's some facts about my credibility, well, that's a fact. You're not, it, you may be resistant to that. That may not be part of what your belief set is. But if I'm telling you anecdotes and stories of other customers I've worked with and other pitches that I've done, well, now all of a sudden uh, that b- itself becomes much more credible. Yeah, yeah and that makes sense. I could, like, I could say anything. I could be like, well, cancer is a problem, and I have the cure for cancer. You, know, you would probably really want to understand, you know, like, where did I learn? Did I go to school for, uh, for cancer medicine? You know, have I treated anybody with cancer? You know, the, we really need credibility to be able to believe that someone has an answer to the problem that we want to have. Because we do want to solve it, but we want it to be solved by experts. Yeah, you're right. And and just following your example of, you know, that you saying I've done 10,000 pitches. Well, it says something, but it doesn't say it all. So somebody might say, well, so what? Like, were they any good? Did you did you get any customers? And so then when you follow up with the anecdotes and the stories about who you've helped and how you've helped them and the successes they've had and the challenges that they've had, that answers that kind of question. Cause I, and I've done it too. Like I know sitting in an audience when I hear, and particularly in business, you know, we have a lot of um, people using big numbers to try and, you know, persuade us to either use them as a coach or um, buy a product or whatever it is. And there's always that little, so what sitting right there. So if you can follow up and answer the, so what with your anecdotes and stories, it's, it's so much stronger. I totally agree. Now the next part of that, once you've, once you've connected with the problem and once you've uh, given somebody what your answer is going to be, and you've proven that you've got credibility, uh, the next thing that you have to do is you have to prove that your answer is the answer to their problem. And this is where the E comes in, and the E stands for evidence. And this oh, really okay. is the, it's the meat of your presentation. Uh, and this is the part that will expand or contract based on how much time you have. And this body of evidence is, is like a court case. You, know, you are laying out the case for your answer and why your answer is the better answer and why it solves that problem. And here I'll use uh, a host of different techniques. Yet I'll look at, yes, I'll want to have facts 
that back up my story. Uh, but I'll also want to have anecdotes. You, know, you may be, you may need to prove a business case and prove an ROI. Uh, you may need to back up those facts with examples where that actually came out to be true. You may have to have case studies. You know, you may want to have external credibility, and so you've got to be able to take all of this material and architect this story in such a way that it does make sense to the person who's listening. Nice. And you actually have just um, hit on the thing that I, I always say story plus data equals evidence. Because although I love story, I'm also aware that having some data really helps in that. And so you've really outlined that really well, that evidence part. And, and story often isn't enough in that area. It's totally enough in the other areas because you're, you're, you're engaging and you're bringing people into your realm, into your point of view. But like you say, when you come to evidence, because, um, you know, the thing is about story is we connect emotionally. And then the next bit that comes up is our logic. And we want, we say, again, we say the so what. We say, and what does this mean for us? What does this mean for my company? So I really like how you've outlined that. That's a that's a really important part that sometimes in story, we don't talk a lot about because we, we're so excited about story and we, you know, it's we're still convincing people that story is a great way to engage, but um, you you do need to back it up as well. And and I'll give you an example from one of my clients, and I'll I'll give them a little bit of a plug. Uh, they're called Life Recovery Program. They have an online uh, addiction counseling uh, video program that is uh, designed for uh, employees. You know, so they sell this to businesses, and the goal of it is to uh, help an employee that might have some kind of uh, addiction or mental health challenge and give them some offline resources that they can use. And we, you know, the, the presentation that I helped them build is a mixture of story and fact. You know, so there's a lot of facts around uh, how much mental health illness, illnesses cost businesses. And that's one thing that's really important to convey to uh, an HR person who is trying to fix that problem. But at the same time, we have some anecdotes and some stories that make it real. We'll walk through an example of an actual, uh, an actual person that has had uh, an alcohol addiction program and the impact that it has had on their customers, their team, the, the, uh, the people that reported to this individual, and what that meant in terms of productivity and revenue loss. So that we can come back and say, look, this is an example of this type of person. Yeah, and how does this apply to your organization? And then we take them through an ROI conversation to say, well, this is, this is your revenue per employee. This is the uh, amount of people that are impacted by this type of issue. Here's what we think we can impact based on previous experience. And so that combination of, of fact and anecdote really does make for a much more powerful discussion and better evidence than just trying to talk about how the program works. Incredible. And you know what? That's in the nonprofit sector, the, the, the combination of the two always got me funding as well. And, and often people give one or the other and they don't, um, you know, that's, that's such a powerful example. Thank you for that. Because that is, you know, showing how a person's story of how they uh, went through the process and what they gained it, it, I mean, you can't refute that. That's not a fact. That is a, um, it is an experience. However, it's something that, that demonstrates the facts um, extremely well, I think. 
Exactly. Great. Okay, now, we've got... Yeah, go on, sorry. So once you've got your evidence together, you know, the next thing that you have to do is you have to provide steps to take next. Oh, you know, thank goodness. <laughs> what's the ask? And People forget this all the time. Oh, they do. Oh, and my goodness. I've seen people do fabulous presentations, and then they get to the end of it, and then they make the wrong ask, or they don't make an ask at all. Uh, I think one of the best presentations I ever saw was Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. And yeah. he blew it right at the end. Like, I love the presentation, but he blew it at the end because the ask was so small. It was like, here's this thing that's going to kill the planet. Uh, I want you to change your light bulbs. That was the message I took out of it. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's right. We oh. need to do more than that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. You, I like to say there's a Goldilocks zone of, of next steps. You know, not too big, not too small. Uh, we had, I, I do some volunteer advising at a, uh, a startup incubator, and I've sat in on a panel that they have of judges that have startups come in and do practice pitches. And oh, we had one organization come in uh, they had a really fantastic product. Their, pro- their, their pitch was actually really good. And they actually got everybody really excited about the potential for it, except they were really, really conservative in their business plan. Uh, you know, they said, well, we're only going to go after like, this small part of the market. And their ask was so small that the investors kind of went, oh, well, now I'm not excited anymore. Well, I guess, you know, maybe I'll pass on that. And it, That's so interesting. They, they were like, their, their, their ask is so small that the people that were really going to jump on were like, well, I guess there really isn't anything here, so we'll move on. Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. Again, you know, having seen that happen, you know, um, you know, often we see it in the nonprofit sector too. It's like, I'm going to eradicate poverty. And then we, you know, with five grand. So... <laughs> So the, it's the disconnect. So, so how do we make sure that we've got the right ask? So whether it is, so like if we're doing, say, a presentation, it might not be to investors, it might not be a financial ask, but it may be a call to action uh, in terms of what we want people to do next. How do we make sure we've got the right ask for the right audience for the right um, presentation? I mean, I always kind of look for what is the logical next step? And I try and put myself in that person's shoes. You know, I, I try to think through... You know, what is the thing that I would be able to do next? If I'm doing a B2B presentation, you know, if this is a, a, a large sale, you know, let's say it's a $100,000 or $200,000 product, it, my next step may not be, you know, send me a check. It may be, well, why don't we test this somewhere and, and see how this works in your environment? Why don't we start a pilot project? You know, nice. Why don't we set up a next meeting? with your IT team to make sure that this is actually compatible with your environment. Um, and this kind of comes back to credibility. You know, your credibility and your steps actually tie in well together. If you're really an expert in your field, you, you'll know what the right next appropriate step is, and you'll be able to guide the customer through that. You know, if you're not Perfect. an expert, you're going to make that mistake of asking for too much or too little. Nice. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Kim. That's uh, that's a really great answer to that. So just a reminder, everybody, the um, that it is paces. It's problem, answer, credibility, evidence, steps to take next. So, Kim, we're just about to close out the show, but tell us, what's the, you're working on a book. What's the name of it? So I'm working on a, a small book 
this is going to be my goal right now is just to do a quick 50-page book because I've got some really good content that I want to get out there. And this is something uh, that I call the camouflaged brand or nice. why you should brand the problem. Cool. Uh, and this came out of a conversation I had with a client who's having a really hard time branding her solution. And I kind of said, well, is the customer even aware they have a problem? And she said, no. And I'm like, well, we need to brand the problem first. And I, from that, I had this kind of uh, epiphany that a lot more customers actually need to spend time branding their problem before they brand the solution. That makes a uh, lot of sense. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so and you're also working on a Udemy course, so we can look out for both of those. So don't yeah. forget to um, check out Kevin's services and look out for the book and the Udemy course at thestoryarchitect.com. Thanks, Kevin, so much for being here today. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. All right. I can't wait to put my paces into action. So don't forget to email me, everybody, if you want to come and hang out at our book club this week with Annette Simmons, Leanne at VeryGoodStories.com, or check out the Story Coaching Clinic at the StoryPowered.Institute Salon for next Thursday. Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for joining me, Leanne Pico, and Story Powered. I will see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level. 